welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. I'm Allison Klein. We're recording live from the OpenStack Summit in Vancouver, BC this week, and I am delighted to have Das Kamhout from the Data Center Group with me. Thanks for coming. Hi, Allison. Thanks for having me. So, Das, why don't you remind the audience what your role is within the Data Center Group at Intel and what your group's mission is to accomplish? So, I'm a principal engineer at Intel, and my focus is software-defined infrastructure, which basically is all the cool software that runs on top of the infrastructure that makes it really easy to run, drives up utilization. And part of my goal is democratizing cloud computing, so bringing technology that's really tough to everyone. I've heard you say this a number of times, democratizing cloud computing. What is it that the few have that we want to give to the many to democratize cloud computing? There's a couple really complicated cloud solutions that are out there that run some of the most sophisticated clouds. And as they've grown over the last 10 years or so, they've introduced some very interesting technologies inside of their data centers. And we're starting to see some of that come out. Mm -hmm. Like when Linux was created, if you had a Unix box, it was extremely expensive. And Linux basically democratized Unix in a way for everybody. So we're starting to see the same thing with cloud computing tech like Kubernetes coming out and giving people a new way to operate like Google or OpenStack providing a means to operate in a similar fashion as AWS or HP's public cloud or Rackspace. Technology that helps people do what a lot of the big guys are doing. How would you describe to someone who's used to the traditional IT model, the change within software stack and what they know from traditional virtualized environment? Internally, we say cloud type A and cloud type B, but it's probably easier if I break those down. For the first cloud type A, which is really like OpenStack and what Amazon does, is just give me a server right away. Through a GUI or through a simple command line like give me server or get server, I should be able to get a server back instantaneously. Google's compute engine is like seconds, Amazon's seconds too. So basically, we want people to think instead of waiting for that server, you get it immediately. Self-service is the key differentiator there. So that's the distinction from what people were doing with virtual realm, where they asked somebody in IT to do something for them. Instead, the automation takes care of it for us. Mm -hmm. That's a key change, but it's still surprising that everybody doesn't have that yet, and everybody should. And then 2.0. What other things are coming down the pike that you're excited about? For us, it's hyperscale. And the key difference there is it's a different way to deal with your applications. With the first type, you actually didn't have to change your apps. Mm -hmm. You could take something that was running on a physical server, you then moved it to virtual, and now we're just giving you self-service capabilities so you can get your new capacity faster. In the new model, you're actually changing how you develop and what your code looks like. And the key technology there is containers. This is something Google championed heavily starting back in 2000. 2006. They launched something like $2 billion a week now. The model there is where you basically carve up your application into microservices. You break it all up into little pieces, and then you connect it together, and you launch it as a set or a pod that works together. The difference there is it allows the data center people to basically treat the data center as a giant operating system. Like on each server, if you have something like Linux or Windows, your processes are basically being scheduled on that server, and there's threads that are being scheduled all the time. We're just taking that to the next level, where we're saying all the systems in the data center have processes and threads. So it helps the developers switch to this new microservices model, and it helps the infrastructure guys, because now they can really treat their data center as a giant, extremely efficient operating system. When you break those things up and then reassemble them within a container, what is the primary business benefit of moving to that model? Is it scale? 
or is it speed? So the nice thing is that it helps different people different ways. For app developer, it's basically instantaneously on. They can basically build containers on their laptop, and then they can push that same container up into a public or a private cloud. Portability is huge, so therefore they can have choices. You can actually be on a plane without Wi-Fi, which you know some people do these days, mm-hmm. uh, and you can actually write your code in the container model and deploy it in the same fashion. And this is actually a pretty big problem for app guys because just getting from non-prod all the way to production in different types of environments, it's pretty expensive and hard to do. So it allows them to turn out new apps apps faster. And in the day and age where now, you live by how quickly you can get your MVP or your minimum viable product out and your features out. So if app guys are loving it, it's like changing their way they've dealt with servers. And, and so we're seeing a big uptake with things like Docker and, and what CoreOS is doing to basically move that model. For the infrastructure guys, it's also beneficial because it saves on resources. If you have a bunch of containers, they actually share the operating system and therefore they can drive up the resource utilization mm-hmm. much higher. So anytime there's a technology that's good for the infrastructure guys and the app developers, it's a really sweet spot and we'll usually see really fast adoption. You know, I'm pretty excited that this is something that will change how data centers run. What are the key things that Intel is thinking about in terms of ensuring that the right hardware capabilities are supporting these new types of environments? Yeah, so uh, with Moore's Law, we've consistently driven double the transistors, which effectively drives more capacity. And on the performance side, we're constantly looking at what type of new instruction sets or even existing instruction sets can be exposed directly to the developer. So bring the silicon value right into the software to give more performance. Everybody wants things to run faster. On the security side, one of the big complaints has been around containers is that they're great for all these cool things that are happening, but they're not as secure as we'd like, especially mm-hmm. when we're in a multi-tenant environment. So we demoed a proof of concept or showcase with thing called Clear Containers, which basically, it's a little bit of a misnomer because it has the word containers, but what it's designed for is to bring security into containers. So we have a technology that all hypervisors for ages now called VT, and we're using that technology to launch secure containers. And what we're doing is basically launching a really, really lightweight hypervisor, then we're giving the app guys the ability to run multi-tenant. So performance, security, as well as you know, helping people get more and more capacity from their dollar with the hardware that they have. Application development happens within the enterprise a lot of times, and not necessarily with the folks who are focused on the optimization of cloud. How do you think an IT organization should handle these new opportunities? And what is it going to take to get the developer community within an organization thinking within this model? First is self-service, because it allows innovation to start. You can never know exactly what new technology is coming or how the developers are going to use it. And we want the developers to be able to move as quickly as possible, try new things out, fail fast, right? It's better to fail fast on the app side than on the infrastructure side, but really uh, push the envelope. And by giving them self-service, you basically free up their ability to get capacity to innovate. So to us, that's step one, really just make it easy for them to consume capacity. We've been talking a lot about this thing called Jevons Paradox, too, which as you make the infrastructure more efficient and easier to consume, we're seeing people actually consume more And it's actually in a good way because they're finding new ways to show that capacity, give that capacity out to all of us as users. Number two is show them these new design patterns. So nice thing that's going on right now with part of this democratizing cloud computing is that guys like Google are coming out publicly and saying, hey, look, this is how we do app design patterns internally. When Docker came out, they're really loud saying, hey, we love containers because this is how we write apps. So getting the IT developers to see these guys out there sharing now saying, hey, look what we've done. And these guys run massive scale. And so understanding the trials and tribulations that they've gone through the last 10 years, it's right there in people's hands now to consume. 
Where do you see us in three years in terms of broad-scale adoption in enterprise, full solution stack capabilities, solutions available in market, that kind of thing? Yeah, so three years, we probably definitely won't be talking about OpenStack as having issues, first of all. And probably should just step back for a second. The reason I love OpenStack is because it's an API set and an engine that powers both existing infrastructure and new If I'm an IT guy, that means I can expose all that infrastructure to my developers with the same set of APIs. So if they want a server, whether it's some existing technology you have or something new that I want to put on infrastructure, I can do that. So this is why we care a lot about that that API set being exposed and people don't consume it. And what we're seeing now, and I think this year and the next is kind of the moment of truth, is we're seeing it really address a lot of the enterprise problems that have been challenges. And it's just really broken down simply. A lot of people in the enterprise want to make sure that server is always on. For the last few years, OpenStack kind of disregarded that concept and wanted people to just switch their whole application model and how they write apps. But what we're seeing now is an agreement to make sure that that core is actually working. And uh, this week at the summit, we've seen a lot of people showing how they're using OpenStack in in very large-scale deployments with enterprise apps. So I think in three years, OpenStack APIs will be a norm. People will then start running different things on top of it and things underneath. So this week, we also saw some cool work with both Kubernetes from Google, as well as some work from Rantis with Kubernetes on top, showing you can run all these cool new tech on top of OpenStack. So OpenStack is the core, core set of APIs, connecting to any type of infrastructure, and then these cool new orchestration solutions on top of it. So we're seeing a lot of new ways to use infrastructure, but OpenStack still as the core set that connects infrastructure out. I think that Kubernetes has been problematic in the Twitter sphere. So people have been calling it Kube. Acronym is K8S which is really throws people out. That's a tough K-A-S. one to decipher. Um, final question for you, Das. If folks want to keep going with the conversation with you and want to ask you questions about where we see the world of cloud democratization going, is there a way to connect with you? Well, I'm always on Twitter. Do you know what your handle is? Of course, at DCamHout. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know you're a busy guy. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Allison. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization. 